Hello and welcome to this episode 25 of the Northern Invasion podcast and it's myself, uh, Stu West as ever and I am joined today on this extra special mini episode with a Scottish tournament regular and um, somebody who's been recently published by the Black Library, Mr Richard Strachan. Hello Richard. Hello Stu. How are you doing sir? Yes, good thanks. Yeah, well thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to have a quick chat with us today. I thought, well, before we get going, it might be uh, interesting for, for those people who, who uh, maybe don't know you, who are listening from further afield than our, uh, our close-knit tournament scene. Um, can can you maybe tell folk how you maybe first got into AOS? Um, yeah, I, t- I suppose I got into it more or less when it came out. So I guess that's about four years ago now. Um, I played like a little bit of fantasy years and years and years ago when I was a teenager. So it must have been like third edition, um, but nothing really since then. And then it was really when, when my, my daughter was about five, my oldest daughter was about five. I wanted us to, you know, something we could do together, sort of play and collect together. And I don't know, I just said Warhammer popped back in my head and it sort of coincided with, with AOS coming out. So, yeah, more or less from, from day one. No, that's uh, that's uh, similar to myself, I suppose. How yeah. old's your daughter now? She's nine, so she'll be nine. coming for ten fairly soon. Yeah. Oh, very similar. Yeah, mine. Uh, mine's. Uh, mine's just. She's ten, so she loves it as well. So, and and the yeah. boy's getting into it now. He's six, so. Right. My, telling... my my daughter doesn't like it at all. She, she's like, no, oh. yeah. She was like initially interested <laughs> when she was five, but then just just no, I dropped off. So I just thought I'd, I'll press on myself. <laughs> yeah ah, well, well why not so the only time i think that i've played you mm-hmm. um i think well you were playing corn i actually found my notebook this afternoon oh right yeah um to to find out what i was playing and and what it yeah. was yeah it was um, a death army wasn't it yeah it was yeah and i think it was it was uh i, I had it and i think it was last february yeah um, but yes yeah, so so but you've played other factions haven't you uh so what have you yeah. collected and what's drawn you to them um, I started off, I mean, when I first got into it, I bought that first starter set, so the, the Stormcast and Corn starter, and I painted it all up, but then I got, I just got kind of pulled into the, the direction of just a sort of mixed chaos, and this was like the, the days before the General's Handbook, so you were a little bit more, you had a bit more freedom about what you could do. Um, yeah, so I kept, the first army I had, I think it was like mostly Chaos Warriors and some Beastmen and that kind of stuff, and then... I dabbled for a little bit in Fire Slayers, and then then stuck with Corn for like a good long while. I sort of built up from the the starter set, um, the starter set army, uh, then back to Stormcast for a little bit. Uh, you had the the Vanguard stuff. That's didn't right. You? Yeah, I sort of I've had them for quite a while, most of the last year really. Um, and yeah, so. For, I really for each faction, this is a question of the the models and the background narrative about about that army as well. It's I'm, I'm not much of a competitive player at all, really. So it's rarely about what particular units can do in the game, but it's it's much more what they look like and what what they're meant to be like that really yeah, attracts the, me. Yeah. yeah, the imaginative sort of stimulus, the narrative side of it. It's yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So, what what sort of play style do you have? What sort of things do you like? I mean, obviously the um, the models are drawing you, the, you to them, but they're quite different if you think about the corn one you had, which was all run over and smash, and then you had the long strikes and things. Is there a particular style you think that you like? 
Um, I think, to, to be honest, I probably should have stuck with corn because that's <laughs> my play style. It's it's kind of like a First World War general, you know, just like sent all forward, um, which works out fine for corn. But the Stormcast was a, there's a much steeper learning curve for that. Like, and you, you couldn't really once you got them in combat, you kind of lost the game. So you had to be very careful about what you did with them. And, um, yeah. yeah, they're really elite, aren't they? And yeah. every every model counts. Every model counts. They have to. I mean, their big thing is is movement and sort of movement tricks and so on. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a struggle for me, you know, because I just kept wanting to charge them into stuff, um, <laughs> but whatever did so with very poor effect. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on at the minute then, in terms of a uh, in terms of hobby? Um, um, I'm I'm nearly finished up putting together a, a Nurgle Magikin army. Um, right. So it's very it's. it's I had like half of it at the the Twin Realms the doubles tournament so a couple of months ago whenever it was. Ah uh, yeah, yeah. So there it's it's mortal based, so it's mostly like blight kings and blight lords, mm. and then a sort of sideboard of demons for summoning. Yeah, no, that's uh pretty similar to the corner, I suppose. It's uh it's very in your face. I suppose they've got the magic side and the they're a bit more resilient in terms of difficult to hit and things, yeah. but. The great models as well, those Black yeah, Kings and things. The Black Kings, fantastic, yeah. Have you been uh, tempted by the um, the blobs and that the uh, the maggot? Are they called maggot kin? Oh, oh is it called it, uh, those, those big things? Yeah, um, yeah, but they they don't really seem to feature at all. I think they're all direct only uh, from, the, from the website, which I, I might eventually. I've not really looked into it too much, but they seem to have been dropped. Like I can't really think of much mention of them in the you know the background story at the moment no no i suppose they've fallen off the glockkin have been mentioned once or twice and yeah he in some of the realms um the the realm gate wars novels mm. but um yeah they're yeah oh well well they're fine models but yeah i'd like to see them come forward a bit is yeah, there any might, particular yeah. is there any particular factions places or bits of law that you particularly like then in terms of uh the background and the novels and whatnot yeah, um, I suppose recently what, what really, and this this felt like a real key moment for the the whole, the whole game from the narrative side was the the malign portent stuff. Yeah, um, I, I mean it, to be honest, it didn't really impinge on the the actual playing of the game much for me personally. Um, but that whole when they had the website and they were updating it every couple of days with like new you know very short little pieces of fiction. Um, I loved that. I thought that was that was the first time you could really feel them sort of digging quite deep into the the, the background of, of each each faction and each realm, and yeah. even just like you know the the ordinary people who are who are getting swept up in that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a great way to great way to bring the story on, wasn't it? And the whole um, the whole sort of like uh, soul wars things that we're seeing now in terms of. Um, yeah, the narrative you you feel as though you're playing through it, and you know it's. Uh, I'm sure that I heard one of the official Stormcast um, podcasts recently where they were talking about um, in a few years' time you'll be looking back and you played through these narratives. So there might be a bit of uh, you know we've got um, Nagash doing so well and being so strong. We've spoken yeah. about that on the podcast in the back in the past, but I mean that's just this is his time to shine, isn't it? This is a uh, uh, this is this is his moment, and it, it, as the narrative unfolds, um, mm. uh, it is. It's like you're playing along with it, so it's it's really nice. It seems like that's. I mean, from what I understand of um, 
fantasy, you know, especially in like maybe the last couple of editions, it seems like they've really put their foot to the pedal for the, the narrative as well. It's progressing quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's be interesting to see what comes out next. Yeah, I think AOS uh, 1, um, it was like the first edition where at first it was it was total Wild West and yeah. um, the, the War Scrolls were a bit wacky. There was no points and things. And those of us who stuck with it and, mm-hmm. and it's really matured and with AOS 2 dropping, it's it's taken it forward and it's, it's almost like a, a generational gap and you're looking back remembering a period and it's set like... Uh, generations earlier in terms of the the narrative and yeah. it's also worlds apart in terms of the way you play the game yeah because it's supposed to be from from between first and second edition there's supposed to have been you know hundreds of years that have passed since the the realm gate wars and so on yeah. yeah it's really interesting when you're listening to things like um i listened to the realm slayer um thing a couple I've of times recently it, yeah. it's yeah. really good it's really worth it's, it and yeah, and they're doing this the same there's mortals there that are talking about um they're talking about their ancestors who who met Vander's Hammerhand in the Realm Gate Wars. Right. They were sort of like venerated, and there's the statues of them and things. And and uh, yeah, you're thinking, oh well, I, I remember reading that at this at this point. So yeah, yeah. it's really nice touch. So uh, all right then. So you've recently been published uh, by the Black Library for the first oh, sorry, time, yep. but you're not new to writing at all. I've read one or two of your stories that I've found um, links through your. Um, various uh, social media channels and things in the past maybe about a year ago yeah. and uh well can you tell us a little bit i suppose about your journey as a writer yeah i guess it's it's maybe slightly unusual in terms of how it's led me to write for black library because you if you look at stuff i've written before you wouldn't necessarily think that that's the direction i was going in um so i guess it's i mean it's just something that i've always done but maybe about 10 years ago or so, I, start, I started getting things in uh, magazines. So like there's a number of literary magazines around in, in Scotland and, and sort of further afield. Um, so you get stories in these magazines and so on, um, raise the profile a little bit. And then in 2012, I think it was, I got some some money from the Scottish Book Trust. So they're like, a, they're like the equivalent of the Arts Council for Literature in Scotland. Um, and they gave me a chunk of money to to write a novel, um, which I, I did, and everything seemed to be going sort of great guns. Like so, I, I had like a, a literary agent for a while and stuff, and then it all just kind of, wow. I just sort of hit a brick wall. Really, I didn't really get any further, and I got slightly disillusioned by it. Um, I still, you know, I'd write things sort of now and then, but not really with the same sense of sort of urgency or impetus or anything. Um, and then that kind of coincided, I guess, with getting into to Age of Sigmar. And getting into wargaming or sort of getting back into wargaming um and then of course i think it must be this time last year black library had their open submissions um period so i just i entered that and then it just just sort of snowballed from there yeah so was that the the sort of thing had you ever thought about submitting to them before that or did you just think oh well why not yeah not not really i mean because from what i can remember they didn't have the what there wasn't really an option to do it it wasn't like a like they had an open, you know, an open sort of submissions period or anything like that. It was, I remember them publicizing it quite a lot last year. Yeah. And it felt I mean, like it had been quite a while since they'd done it before. I think it had. I think it had been years. There was a way, because I, I, I'd submitted in the past, not, not a, through an open call, but uh, they, they used to have a thing where 
um, you could you could send a, a note of interest. And what they did was they um, they emailed you with a like a you, you had to write. I think it was something like five hundred words set right. in a story. And they gave you a bit of a brief, and it was generally mm-hmm. something to do with Space Marines in a battle, so it had to be action. Right. Um, and then you sent that back, and they said whether or not your style suited. And I did that once years and years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'd not really had much much practice or anything writing, and um, and they'd come back and said, no, it's a, it's not really the, the sort of style we're after. Well, yeah. No, really? so I'm... Yeah. It seems to have been for this, for the one last year, certainly the, the, the brief was a lot was a lot broader. I can remember they were at, you know, they they gave you quite a few options of different styles, different sort of types of story you could write. So they wanted maybe like ghost stories or heist or action or, you know, this this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I remember. And the way it was kind of framed, if I, well, the way I understood it when I read it was that uh-huh. um, uh, there was going to be like a, almost like a quarterly journal. Because I think years ago there used to be it where there'd be fan fiction in amongst with... Yeah. Um, in amongst with sort of like the the established authors mm-hmm. uh, and i thought it was going to be like that where one of them might be about um betrayal one might be about um ghosts as you say but it really didn't come come that way did it and and what we've got is a, mm. is a fantastic looking book that's come out um maledictions which yeah. is i mean it's a it's a short story horror anthology um i mean it's got a mixture of of new authors and really established black library authors so you've got to be pretty happy to be published alongside some of these um who've really sort of shaped the mortal realms right from the beginning people like uh, uh that, that are listed in there yeah they? like josh reynolds and the yeah as well yeah i mean that was that was actually a really big surprise because when um so when i applied last year i got through to the second round you know and, you, and um and then uh, there's a reasonably long wait from what I can remember, like, because I imagine they had, they had quite a lot of applications and so on. Uh, yeah. And eventually they go back to me and said, right, we think you'd be good for writing uh, something set in our new horror range. So it's like, great, you know, so I, I worked on that. But I didn't really know what was going to happen to it afterwards. And it was it was only quite late in the day after I'd submitted it that they said, oh, right, we're going to put it in this first, first anthology. Um. And the book itself is like it's really nicely produced, really like beautiful looking book. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's got like red red page edges, hasn't yeah. it? And it's a it's a fantastic looking book, really. It's it's far from the sort of magazine type journal that I thought they'd be sitting on the shelves in the mm. um, the Games Workshop stores. You've yeah. got a, a really really well produced book. Yeah. So I suppose um, are there any novels or I don't know battle tone backstories that have that have stood out to you that, that you think deserves a special mention that maybe influenced you to to put pen to paper i think um of the more recent stuff i mean i guess this this is sort of coinciding with the the malign portent stories yeah um it's the the stories that josh reynolds wrote the date lamentations so you see there's like a novel and i think there's like an audio drama yeah. as well and again, they seem to be one of the first stories that started really digging into the the, the everyday lives of ordinary people, you know, in the background of the this, you know, really huge, bombastic, kind of surrealistic realmscape that, that all this action is taking place in. But you, you start to really get more of a sense of what it's like for ordinary people living there um, in that book. And... Also, guy, the stories that Guy Haley's written about uh, Prince Mesa, the 
I don't know if you've read any of those. Is that the um? Is that the Zinchen guy? No, it's no. Uh, he's, he's like a he's a, a an elf prince. He's like a wanderer oh, elf no. prince. He's, he's searching for like his his lost love, whose her soul is trapped in Shaiish kind of thing. So he's he's uh. sort of wanting the realms, trying to find. So, so there are like a, I think maybe about three short stories being published and a, an audio drama. And they're really good. Yeah. Cause they seem, they're really sort of old school um, fantasy sort of quest type stories. But again, as he, as he moves through all these different locations, you get little glimpses of what it's like for like you know, a guy who runs like the local inn or something like that, or uh, yeah. shop, shopkeepers and this, this kind of stuff. It's a, a lot more of a sort of ground level view of what it's like. No, I think I think that's really good, and that started to come out. And I know that yeah. um, with things like the City of Secrets, the um, that's, yeah, it, that's, that was it might have been Nick Hoff, was it somebody? Yeah, Nick Hoff. Yeah, and that was one which which really struck home to me with that when you were getting um, just your, your real rank and file of the free guilder mm-hmm. in there and, and just you you are starting to see how the cities actually work. They're not yeah, just yeah. a line on a map with some big civic buildings. You're actually seeing uh, the underbelly of the community almost. It's uh... Yeah, they, they brought that out really well in the, the Disciples of Zinch Battle Tome as well. Okay. Um, because cause I, had, I had briefly, I didn't have a Zinch army or anything, but I just wanted to read it. Um, and there's a lot of really nice little snippets of like, uh, you know, maybe some sort of city city elderman or whatever. He's written a little uh, note about these sort of cult uprisings in his city and so on. And it's mm-hmm. lots of really nice little narrative snippets all the way through it. They, they give you more of a sense of what the, these places are like as sort of living, breathing places. Mm. Yeah, I think that was it with City of Secrets. I think that was yeah. Excelsis, wasn't it? I've just yeah. finished the um, the second part to that there. <laughs> Uh, the Silver Shard, which is um, a, another Callis and Toll novel, so yeah, that's, that's really definitely good worth reading. So your your stories, um, your tale, the um, that's in the the anthology wow. has got it, it's quite a tragic story. Uh, it's got a really sort of traditional and and I'd thought it had like a feel of the very old old Warhammer fantasy and, right. and this that we're talking about now in terms of the everyday, the gritty reality of day to day life. Uh, but I suppose before we touch on uh, the characters or the happenings in that, what can you tell us about your little corner of the mortal realms? They're a big place, but you, you've actually made a space now. So, so what? What? How would you describe it? I I describe it as somewhere that's uh, well, it's set in Shaiish for, for a start, the realm of death, but it's just a really ordinary, off the beaten track, obscure little village, little fishing village, on the coast, um, and it's the kind of place where all of these sort of grand narratives running through the game as a whole would pretty much completely bypass this place. It's like it's the back of beyond. Um, So, so, I mean, that that was something that the horror, the Warhammer horror range in general is is meant to do. It's meant to take like a really, you know, it's like it's some some Imperial Guardsman who's got absolutely no idea what's going on or it's some some villager, you know, somewhere who just all this, this stuff that's going on is just like, insane mythology to them they have no idea what it's what it's really all about yeah it kind of touches on the vastness of the realms doesn't yeah. it and and living on an island myself i mean the setting really it does resonate with me and it's it's got a real sort of a a real world feel to it and yeah. and yeah the the lives of these these mortals who are going about the day-to-day uh business is is it's uh yeah it's quite insightful so it, it does have your own experiences influenced that have you picked that up and 
sleepy Scottish fishing villages, or is it just a... <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, I, I live in, uh, in Edinburgh, like in very far north Edinburgh, New Haven, which is just along from Leith. So that is a little fishing village, I guess, like even though it's attached to the city. So there's, yeah, so like I can see the, the sea from where I'm sitting now. So yeah, I guess I must have done in some way. Yeah, I think that the um, the sort of like uh, the way the 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 inhabitants of the the village sort of perceive the world around them does mm. have a very uh, oldie worldy type uh, isolated community feel yeah. to it, and and yeah, it definitely you can see it. I mean, I I live on quite a large island in in well the mainland of Orkney, and yeah. then uh, when you go to the um, to the outer isles and things, and you've got these really traditional and almost untouched by civilization mm. communities that are still, you know, working with the sea and with the land, and they probably mm. don't even have televisions in some people's houses. And when you when you speak to the people, you can see the, you know, that the, there are just the, there are parallels with what what I could see in your story. So it made me made me smile a little. Yeah. So that was good. So. I mean, I don't want to spoil the story or anything mm. for others, and I do in, encourage them to to grab a copy of this because it's it's a nice new way that the the narratives are going. But can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your your protagonist, your lead character, and what shaped her? Maybe. Yeah. So the the main character in it's a young woman called Catalina, who um, her husband has recently died at sea. Uh, he's a fisherman, so he's, he's his boat sunk at sea, um, and in their their kind of um, their religious uh, sort of their concept of, of the afterlife and religion and so on. If they don't have a body to bury, then the, the soul is basically lost. It's lost at sea. Um, so she's she's concerned that he's going to be just lost for eternity and that she won't meet him again when she go when she eventually dies, they won't be reunited in the afterlife. Um, and of course because it's it's the realm of death that Shaish the afterlives are physical locations in that that place. So they, they think of it as a uh, they call it the placid shore, so it's like a just a idyllic kind of mirror opposite, really, of where they live, somewhere on the other side of the ocean. But it's like a, it's a physical place. Um, so within her village, the other inhabitants are beginning to lose patience with her for sort of as they see it, indulging herself in her grief and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. When there's work to be done, there's work to be done, isn't exactly, there? In these yeah, sad yeah. places. So there's also a, a creature in the story. Yeah, um, it's a pretty sinister sort of um, being. Um, I do like that the the whole perspectives from sort of like the the naive common folk. Mm-hmm. So whilst it feels familiar to you as a reader who's familiar with um, with uh, the mortal realms and, and mm-hmm. with fa- fantasy in general those people who encounter it maybe don't refer to it in terms that we normally would. And, and that's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anything that you could tell us about the background or motives of, of this, this uh, being that wouldn't give the story away at all? Do you think um, it's probably quite yeah. hard to, to do? Yeah. Without re- really spoiling it, but it's basically yeah. something that has a particular agenda that is just really not apparent to the people it comes across or the people who come across it. Um, so although it seems perhaps as, you know, as it appears in the story, it seems sort of helpless and, and wounded. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not a trustworthy thing at all. No. So I hope we see more of it um, in the future. I don't know if you've got any plans to include. Uh, I, no, uh, include... Not, nothing. Is yeah, this... nothing immediate, but maybe, I mean, it's, 
if you know for anyone who's who's into the the game and sort of knows some of the background it's it's certainly like one of the more interesting areas you could explore sort of factions you could explore um so yeah maybe in the future yeah yeah no, that'd be good so i noticed on on twitter that you've been commissioned to submit another story so congratulations on that thank you um, are we are we going to see a return to Shaish, or do you have something else that you you're considering um yeah no, nothing set in Shaish yet there's there's another story which is going to be another horror story um which is set in the realm of life and there's a third story which I've just finished, which is not horror, it's more it's a traditional AOS, um, which is set in, uh, I can't remember now, Shaman, the realm of metal. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing a sort of tour of the realms so far. It's uh, exciting yeah, stuff, it's, though. So, well yeah, done with that. It. Yeah, cheers. So, have you got any advice or tips for other aspiring authors? I mean, the amount of people... I mean, you know, from myself from going to events and things, just how passionate about the settings yeah. uh, people are and how they create their own backgrounds to their armies. And people do um, really sort of like use their imaginations and things. And some people do aspire to be um, authors or writers themselves. Do you have any any tips for them, maybe? Um, yeah, I mean, in, in in a general sense, just for, for writing in general, um, there's really no substitute for just doing it. You just... There's there's no shortcut, unfortunately. You just have to keep doing it, um, even though it's the kind of thing. I mean, I guess it's like in similar ways. It's like uh, the hobby side of things. It's like painting an army or or something like that. It takes time, and you have to be able to carve out the time for yourself to do it. Um, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, yeah. No, that's that's a good tip, and I think that's yeah. that's the thing. You can't just. Um, find half an hour free one afternoon and expect to write a masterpiece that that everybody's going to love and yeah. fall over so no i think uh practice but it's, it's makes also, perfect yeah. but it's also the case if you can carve out just little you know even 10 minutes here or there it yeah. all starts adding up if you can you don't need to have a, a perfect free evening you no. can just you know sit down scribble something down in a notebook and that's that's equally valid as you know knocking out two thousand words in an evening or something yeah i think that advice about yourself where you've um You've obviously you find um, uh, journals, publications, magazines that suit yeah. your niche, maybe, and and start there. Um, there are a lot of things that people uh, people home produce and publish and things like that um, out there that have got a following and a subscriber base that um, that you can you can certainly practice with. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, once you start digging into it, you'll. I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff all around the world, at web websites as well as you know physical printed magazines or journals, or whatever. Yeah. So so one part of um uh of of a lot of places, like you said about the, the black library there, one thing that, that they ask for that maybe confounds some people is where they ask for a pitch. Mm -hmm. Have you got any any advice on what would make a good pitch? How do you frame it, your idea for a story and and leave them wanting more and not giving away too much or something? I, I, it's not something I've ever yeah. had to do, so I I'm not sure how it'd work. Yeah, I'd say for the pitch, remember you you're writing the pitch for the professionals basically like the editors who are going to commission the story essentially so tell them everything that happens in it you don't need to keep anything back about the the storyline you're not spoiling anything um and at the same time you've got to kind of convey uh where it's set who the characters are what the the actual storyline is going to be um crucially what the characters want and how they're going to get it or not get it as the, the case may be and you've got to 
try and kind of condense that into about two paragraphs, which is like not easy. So maybe like half a page at most. Yeah. But I would certainly try. I mean, if it's the kind of thing if you were to practice it, just write from start to finish about everything that happens in the story that you know about so far, and just try and condense it and make it, you know, make it as as sort of snappy as possible. No, that's uh, that's good advice. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for that. I'll probably take it up myself one day because yeah, sure, yeah. I'd love to put more time into writing. But so, how can people find your other work that you've already published or follow you? Um, what's the best ways to do that? Um, probably Twitter at the moment. Actually, I've been a bit more active on Twitter, so I'm I'm at Rich Strack. So at R I C H S T R A C H. Or if you just search my name, I imagine it'll come up. Um, yeah. So on that um, line. Yeah, if, if ever if I've got something in a you know a magazine or whatever, I'll usually link to it there. Um, okay. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, I I follow you there, so I'll continue to do that. Thanks, Stu. <laughs> and have you any other tournament plans for two thousand and nineteen where people can come and uh and and face off against you across the tables? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'll be at Northern Invasion in July. Um, good. good. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the main one. <laughs> And then I don't actually, nothing else planned for the rest of the year. I mean, I, I want to sort of go to at least another um, two, I think, because the, the Nurgle Armory will be finished by July, so then I can I can kind of take it easy. I don't need to paint anything for subsequent tournaments, so I'll, I'll try and fit in another couple, I think. Yeah, I think there's a good mixture this year. Yeah. There's a couple more one-dayers as well, so it's, yeah. Always, yeah. it's always difficult when you've got a, a family... Um, to, yeah. to justify the two days especially two when you're not traveling tough. as far yeah. yeah okay well well um that's uh that's really nice of you to spend that time speaking to me there no, so be- before before i uh before i let you off i i do the the unannounced thing so you're gonna get to select your your uh play out music all right so so there you go you're on the spot now have you got anything in in mind anything fitting uh, the first thing that popped in my head was just anything by the Jesus and Mary chain. Okay. Uh, Honey's Dead or something by the Jesus and Mary chain. Perfect. Well, good choice. Jesus. Well, thanks again, uh, Rich. And, uh, that's great. And Thank I'll, you. I'll look forward to reading your uh, your, your next stories as well. So well done on that. Um, yeah, and for everybody else, um, it's Maledictions. You can pick it up in store or you can order it on the website. It's really reasonably priced and it's a good produced piece of uh, piece of literature. So... So thanks again, Rich. That's great. Thanks, Jim. I've 